Yo. What's going on, man? There we go. Can you hear me Yo. okay? Kinda, yeah. yeah, it's kind of cutting out. Yeah. Um, are you doing this from a phone or are you doing it through Wi-Fi? Uh, I mean, Wi-Fi off my phone, though. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Should I try okay. to... Should I try to laptop or something? Yeah, a, la a laptop a laptop would be better. Like if that's cool, I don't I don't want to waste your time or anything, but like I really want to do this. Like we've never caught up before, so it's like this is gonna be a dope one, yeah. you know? I agree, I agree, man. Hold on, I'm, I got the laptop open right now. I'm okay. This is DJ Semtex. This is the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast. And right now, I, yo, I'm excited about this one. I'm with my guy Belly. What's going on, man? Yes, sir. The legendary Semtex was good, man. <laughs> hey, we, we were supposed to catch up a couple of years ago. I don't know what happened. I think your schedule was crazy or something. And um, it was like, like, come on, man, this moment's always meant to be. So we finally, we were caught up. We're connecting and everything else. All right. I agree. I agree, man. I've I definitely been following you since since the beginning. So, man, it's, it's, it's an honor. You know what I mean? It's an honor for me to do this with you. And, and likewise, and what I want to do today like obviously we we got some business to do. You got the album coming out, but I wanna I wanna take it back, man. For people who may have just discovered you, for people who may have like been in and in and out of your journey, I just I just want to find out like where it started for you in hip hop and you know how you got into the rap thing because you're a dope lyricist. You're connected with one of the biggest teams. It's like you put out music effortlessly. You got your own swag. Like you can switch it on. You can switch it like up according to whatever situation you need to do but like where did it all start for you in terms of picking up the microphone um i want to say when i was young i watched um biggie's juicy video on much music in canada and i was just like enamorated i was like man i i, I want to do this too like you know there's this fly <laughs> big dude you know really just just living life you know what it appeared in the videos he was living life to the fullest he was just mm -hmm. music was so incredible so i was like you know that was really my first um inspiration and then you know i dragged my mom to the store to buy that album and the only reason she bought it for me is because i had a baby on the front so she didn't know that it was like a hardcore rap album you know she was like all right cool i was like probably like nine or something at the time she was like oh yeah i'll buy you this you know no problem <laughs> and um yeah that's that's how I that's how i really got into it you know r.i.p notorious big but that that track was definitely a milestone in hip-hop that was like that's one of the joints that really defines 90s rap like 90s rap the greatest ever right and Absolutely. the way the, what he says on that track like i've, I've played that and had crowds singing it word for word all the way through, cut the music and everything. But it was all a dream. Incredible. Yeah, so special, man. So special. You know, like nowadays it's hard for like a just a, a like a just a rap song like that to have that much influence, to get that much radio play, to have everybody in the club singing it. Like it's hard. Like it's really got to be some kind of crossover record most of the time for that to happen. And every once in a while, we get somebody that, you know, breaks the, the cultural mold, mold kind of and gets into that, you know, gets into that space. So, you know, what Big was doing was super special. And what, what was your first rap like? What was that bar like? What was that verse like? What was you talking about? I remember my first studio song. It was called Hungry. That <laughs> 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 yeah, is Belly Hungry. That was, right, that was right, the whole right, right, right. Um, right. 
that that was really my first thing, man. I sounded straight like somebody trying to be uh, a Biggie impersonator. That's what I sounded like at that point, you know what I mean? But throughout time, I guess I found myself. But that was the first studio song, is, you know, Hungry. I'm from the UK. Born and raised in Manchester, live in London. Like, you, you, you're from Toronto. Like, what? Tell, tell me about, like, how you came up, the area that you grew up in, what it was like. Uh, I grew up in Ottawa, which is like three and a half hours, like, drive from Toronto. And and Ottawa was was it was a dope place to grow up because of the friends that I had and like just the multiculturalism that we had like in the neighborhood was beautiful. It was all kinds of uh, different walks of life. Immigrants from all over the world ended up in this one small place, which was really dope, you know. And um, uh, but I think other than that, I think the fact that it's like such a government city really like want it like it, it made me want more. It made me want to. Uh, uh, you know, find a way out. And, and Toronto was like the the next thing. You know what I mean? So that's when I went to Toronto and did my thing over there. And the same thing, it was like very multicultural, you know, very easy for somebody like me, grew up as a young immigrant, to be able to like adapt to the city because it was really a bunch of people that I felt like were just like me, no matter like what country they came from. A lot of them had the same struggles and experiences that I did. So Growing up in Toronto, I mean, even even just my teenage years in Toronto was incredible. And Canada in general was a great place to grow up and kind of like hone in on my craft. You know what I mean? Before I ever came out here, I was already establishing myself in Canada. You know, so it was it was a beautiful place to come up first. Who were the other artists that were coming through at the same time you was like in, in Toronto? Like who was on your come up, on your journey? Who were you seeing? Who was a bit ahead of you or who was with you at the same level? Like, what was that, that, that one so rap scene like at that time? It was cool, man. It was like, it was, uh, you know, I remember, I remember, you know, uh, me and Drake was putting out singles at the same time back then. You know what I mean? He had something out with Trey songs. I had something out with Genuine. Uh, you know, it was like, it was cool, man. It was like, it was a bunch of us, you know what I mean? So, um, like I said, it was so much talent in Toronto and so many people that um, probably got overlooked by the rest of the world at that time because the light wasn't on Toronto yet, you know, but there's so much talent in Toronto and people can see that now with everything that's coming out and like the spotlight that's on the city. And I don't think, I don't think Toronto's ever failed in terms of introducing new artists to the world to become like, you know, global superstars. Yo, you're certified on a lot of levels. Like a street level, a rap level, it's like, you know, I see people talking about you with respect, you know, and how real is it out there and teed up for people who don't know? Because it's like, you know, some people can mistake it for being calm or whatever, but I've 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 seen stories, I've been told things and everything else. Like like how how did you manage to not get caught up like other people have? Um, man, I, I want to say respect is earned, you know what I mean? So, so for me, I just, I just never did the flaw shit that got other people caught up, man. I just really, I was always about my respect. So I was always about respecting other people and making sure I showed respect where it was due. And I think that's why I've, I've been able to maintain like the longevity and stuff that I have, because it's easy to get caught up, man. It's, 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 it's a dirty game. 
It's a game where a lot of people are trying to do whatever they can to get to the next step or get to the next level. Nowadays, you shine a camera on somebody and do some crazy shit. And now you, you know, you got clout, quote unquote, and all this, you know, so it's a dirty game, easy to get caught up in. And I think for me, just just keeping, um, you know, keeping my values and my morals in place and knowing that like, yo, this is this is earned. You know, if you if, if you want that type of respect and you want to be seen in that type of light, you got to move accordingly. And I think that's that's what I've been able to maintain my whole life is just move solid, man. You know what I mean? Forget all the flaw shit, all the fuck shit. Everything will come to you at some point. You know, if if, if you work for it, it's going to come to you. If you keep a pure heart, you know, solid mind state, you're good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who helps you focus on ter- in terms of like focusing on the rap side of things? Because, yo, the rap game's not easy, man. Like around the world, like there's there's a lot of kids with dreams. There's a lot of people coming through, but but who was in your corner that was like, now nah, you got this. Like you got a talent, you got a skill. Like focus on this. Don't watch that other shit. Oh, uh, I want to say Sal and Cash, man. Sal and Cash were the first two guys that were like, yo, you got some, you know, special, and you got to let the world hear it, you know. And um, they really they really conditioned and like molded my career early on so that I could have that type of, you know, that type of run in terms, in terms of the rap stuff. And it wasn't easy, you know, it took a lot to break in. It took a lot for people to, you know, to understand that, you know, some immigrant kid from Canada could rap like this. Like, you know, it took, it took a while for the gatekeepers to even let me in, you know what I mean? So I'll shout out to them. They, they, they really worked like really hard with me and, and, and in terms of my motivation and my inspiration my confidence, you know, and just letting me know that that I got it and I could do it, you know. I mean, it's crazy hearing you say that because now, you know, if if we were told, yeah, this some immigrant kid is hot, he's more than likely gonna blow in this day and age. The way that things are now, the internet, and you know, we're way more connected than ever before. We're way more open to certain sounds. It's like, you know, I remember when it used to be very New York centric or very U.S. centric. And now it's like, oh, this guy's from Toronto. It's like, oh, okay, he's a contender. Oh, okay, this guy from London, you should know about. Oh, okay, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like the world's a smaller place now. It's it's a different Absolutely. place now, right? Absolutely, yeah. And everybody had to grow into it, man. Hip hop is one of those things, right? Like, uh, I think everybody had to fit the glove accordingly. You know, when when um, people from London started to get on and and, and start all this because there's a real sound coming from london that's 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 a london ass sound that nobody can duplicate unless you're over there you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. you really got to be over there with the guys to make that shit sound like they be making a sound and it's just hot as fuck right so i think that's when hip-hop really gained this like world like the global edge is when even like outside of the u.s every region had its own sound you know, every region gained its own sound. So now regionally, you can look and be like, oh, we know what the UK got. We know what, what, what drill rap sounds like. You know, we know what Canada sounds like. You know, we know the type of influences that are going to be in their music because they got their own sound. And the UK got its own sound. The US is just so big that it's like every every corner of the US got its own sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. Yeah. But, but it's but it's a beautiful thing though to see because it's like everybody's coming into their own with this rap thing and 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 making it their own, and it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. You know, I was I, I was around when it was like you said, it was just a very like New York centric sound 
or you know um or or just or just typical to like the US type of sound and experience and now you get to hear all types of experiences and sounds from all over the world and it's all using hip hop as the platform it's the most beautiful thing to watch you know mm. I, I like the way you said London as sound we might need to make that a title for a genre or something that's dope so <laughs> That's so, that's real. That's a real London. I got your own sound down to a T. I fuck with that shit too. It gets me turned up, bro. When I listen to that, I want to I want to hit the streets again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I live I live in south of London. It's an area called Croydon, right? Dope City, right? Anytime I go out, I'm bumping into artists. I'm bum bumping into a rapper or a producer. It's like it's so big now, like literally everyone. And, it, and when I used to go to New York, you get off the plane, you go to McDonald's, there's some, I guarantee you, there's someone who's rapping behind the counter or someone who's trying to make it. Is it, is it like that in Toronto? Yeah, I think, I think it's the same type of thing. I remember rapping and, and it was like a rare thing. You know, I, like I joke about it when I was rapping in high school, I was like one of two rappers in my whole high school. Wow. You know, it's like now, now I'm sure it's like you one of, three or 400 rappers in your high school if you rapping. Yeah. You know, and I remember even on the block, I was one of like maybe like six rappers on, on my whole side of the city. Like not just my neighborhood, like just our whole side, the South side of Ottawa was just, we were like probably six rappers in total. You know what I mean? So wow. to see the growth now, it's incredible. You know, like you, 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 same thing you just said, like you go to Toronto, you might run into a hundred people in one day. 50 of them that you know of, 50 that you probably never seen or heard of. And all of them are either artists or producers or managers, promoters, like something yeah. to do with, with the culture. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So you, we talked about B.I.G., right? That That's the thing that really like, like caught your attention. But, but which, which rappers would you say influenced you or... Who's your go-to MC? Who's that MC that, like, when when you're creating, sometimes you need a little, you know, a little, a little, whether it's inspiration or whether it's some kind of thing to remind you why you got into this. Like, who's who's mm -hmm. your go-to rap artist or rap group or what kind of era? I think it's like eras for me. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like there's there's the I go back to some of the stuff that influenced me when I was younger. Um, you know, from Hove, you know, from Pun, like those those two are like probably you know from M Eminem, you know, like those were guys I was listening to heavy in the like you know mid to late nineties, early two thousands, and stuff like that. I think if we're talking like who like nudges me now to go in the booth just based on what they release, it's got to be like Kendrick Lamar, right, um, and like J Cole. You know, I feel like just just from from the standpoint of what I do, hmm. uh, every time you know they put out a project or they put out you know one of these incredible records, and I'm like, all right, man, let me let me let me take off this, let me take off these swim trunks and 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 put away this beach towel, <laughs> and let me get back in the studio. You know what I mean? Like they they, they bring that out of me for sure. Right. How how do you get that balance of you know when you're making music where it's like. Cause, cause Kendrick and Cole, lyrical greatness, great, lyrical excellence, right? And yeah. it's the kind of music why I got into this, why I 
I do what I do as a DJ, as a fan, and everything else. And I'm sure it's the same for yourself. But, Absolutely. But how do you how do you how do you decide I'm gonna I'm gonna go in lyrically and do this? Or you know what, I'm gonna switch it up, make it accessible. This is for the club or this is for the radio. Like how how do you determine what to do or is it just something that just happens and you just pick whatever you comes out of your mind? Yeah, I think I think it just happens for me. I think I I kind of stay uh like I just stay true to like the human side of me. Hmm. You know, when I get into the artist side, like I like if I feel shitty that day, like I'm not trying to make a record that's a happy record cuz I'll be lying, you know what <laughs> I mean? So I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to express that. So honestly, I never approach a record saying this is going to be the club one or this is going to be the radio one, this is going to be the you know I think producers deserve a lot of credit in that sense because because they set the tone a lot of times when they hit play on something, right? And then and then you're like, whoa, like whoa, yeah. what, oh, what was that? I got it. Oh, yeah, I got yeah, some yeah. shit on this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, a lot of times they're setting the tone with those moments, and then like and 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 then like I said, if I was having like a shitty day, I might pick the beat that's gonna help me talk about my shitty day. You know what I mean? Mm. Or if I'm having a wonderful day and I want to and, and I want to express that, I might pick the beat that expresses that the best, you know. So I think mm. a lot of times too, you know, it starts with the producer. It starts with like the vibe that he's in the in, in the studio. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't, right? Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) And we agree on some things, but not on everything. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. You got a new album that's about to drop, right? I've I've been very privileged to hear, like, you know, <laughs> my, my privilege is good. I got to hear that. But but I want to talk about, before we do that, I want to talk about some of your previous albums. Like, bro, you did an album called Immigrant. Powerful. Like, you. you know, and, and the year that that came out, there was this craziness going on. Like, how how did it, and I'm, I'm doing the catch-up thing. I've never spoke to you. Like, had we been seeing each other year on year or whatever, whatever, I'd have been doing this each one, right? But yeah, Immigrant, like, how was it? How just calling an album "Immigrant" man? How did that feel? Uh, it was it was amazing. You know what I mean. It, and it it came about in a way that again it was like so it was more true to what was happening around the world and then what what was happening to me because of that. And so I had an album called Midnight Zone that I had already started. I was probably like six songs in, 
I had some really dope records and stuff, you know, and then and then the album started to shift because of what was happening. I started to make more and more music that was like just the stuff that was affecting me about the, the immigrant crisis that was happening, the refugee crisis, all the things that was happening, even, you know, people in my home region, in the Middle East and, and Palestine and all that, you know, and I was just watching so much stuff happen. And so naturally my music started to morph um, from, from Midnight Zone into something else. And I remember I was sitting in Sal's backyard again with my brothers, Cash and Sal, and I was sitting in the back in Sal's backyard and we were listening to the album. And then, um, you know, I think Cash, I think Cash or Sal, one of them suggested it first. And then they just both started being like, yo, you can't call this album Midnight Zone. Like, like listen to the music now, you know, it's like different, you know, before it, it sounded like the Midnight Zone. Now it sounds like something different. And, and you know, you got to I think you got to title it accordingly. And at first I was like, man, I don't I don't want to do that. Like, you know, I, I'd rather just speak about it than try to make it a title and whatever. But then they really just they really just convinced me. And, and, and you know, through talking to me, were like, yo, this is much bigger than just a title. This is this is, you know, taking a stance against something. This is this is you, know, you putting your foot down and letting people know exactly where you stand on a situation, exactly what you come from. And then on top of that, you're going to inspire a whole new league of immigrant kids that might be going through, you know, the same type of thoughts you were going through when you were a kid. But now they get to see somebody that broke through all of that and, you know, and, 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 and got to represent them. And when, you know, when they put it like that, I was like, yo, that's, yeah, that's incredible. You know, and it was like a responsibility to take on, but, but uh, I was ready and I knew that the album had morphed into something that immigrant more fit what I was talking about than any other title I could have gave that album. Well, you just said that's the essence of hip hop as well, right? It's how it came about in the first place. It's like it's it's yeah. like that was like that's like you're calling at its peak, at its truest height, you know? It's Absolutely. Dope. Absolutely. So, and I'll always be like the proudest one. Like like musically, I, like for example, like I think musically I love like Up for Days out of my projects, Up for Days, um, Mumble Rap you know, and in Zambia are probably like my, my three, like musically, sonically favorite ones, you know, but then immigrant, I'm more proud of than all of those, you know, just because of what it meant and what it was, you know what I mean? I knew the sonics didn't matter. It, it wasn't about the sonics of the album. It was about what the message was. And it, it, till now, you know, that's, that's the most, and as time goes on, I'm definitely even more and more and more proud of it every day. Just, just based on everything that's happening in the world. I'm glad I got to say, you know, what I got to say. Mm. For people who may not know, what what exactly is your heritage? Like, where where exactly, like, did your ties originate? I'm Palestinian. So I'm Palestinian from, from Janine. My pops is from Janine and my mom's from Nablus. So, yeah. It's dope. It's dope. Craziness going on in the world. Like, we we just seen... Crazy scenes from Afghanistan, man, with what's happening over there and stuff. And then Tragic. even in, you know, in, in Canada, like the burial grounds and shit, it's just like crazy horrific that all of a sudden mass graves are being found. You know, it's like just when we think that things have changed or we've moved on, I don't know, man. It's like there's always something constant to remind us like, how how do you 
how do you how do you feel when you see on the news things that are happening in Palestine? Because it's you know it's it's a situation where it doesn't feel like there's any kind of resolution in sight. You know, um, man, it's it's tragic for me. You know, I I still got family uh, back home and stuff, and it's it's tragic, man. But you know, I li- I like to always think from a side of hope. You know, and, and um, I know I know the next generation will be better than this one, just like this generation is better than the last one. And you know, I, I just really I just really hope for the best, man. I really hope that um, you know we can we we can push forward on on human issues, forget politics, you know, and realize that it's like bigger than politics is human lives and um and and, and human you know human futures and legacies children dying like that's that all of us got to be affected by that whether you're into politics or not it's way beyond that you know and I, I i'm just hopeful that uh we'll come into a time and like an understanding where people could just be like yo this is this is not humanly right what's happening it has to change and i'm hopeful man i i, I am hopeful i'm not somebody and i know i know it looks bleak but i'm not somebody that that chooses you know chooses to look at the at the you know at the dark side of it i want to see the hope in it and i want to see my people thrive in the future and, and i'm always try to help any way i can to make sure that happens that's dope. that's dope that's dope thank you um you know again like you know with with, with what you did with the immigrant album and obviously what you stand for is always going to be in your music regardless of what the project is or whatever but has that has that inspired you or have you been yeah inspired to do anything similar or is anything to continue in that kind of vein or yeah i think like i said man i'm (laughs) i'm true to myself right so like i think a lot of times i talk about these things in interviews and i and i and i tweet about it and stuff and like a good friend of mine um you know, who's, who's also a creative, you know, he was like, yo, I, I'd rather save it for my material. So I think that's like a, that's like a line now I got to start drawing because if I'm like exhausting the, the creative uh, process by speaking on things when I, I should be putting it into my art, you know what I mean? Hmm. So that's like the balance I'm trying to find now is like, is, is, is like, obviously I'm going to, I'm going to say what I got to say. But at the same time, I want to also reserve a certain part of it so that you can hear it expressed the way I do it best. You know what I mean? And that's when I think I'm going to express it the best way. And it lives longer if you put it in the music as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think I'm going to always speak about it. You know, I'm going to always be on on real time when it comes to to human issues, you know? especially Palestine, because that's where I'm from. But when it comes to everything, I'm always speak on, you know, on, 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 on tragedies I see or when people are suffering. I'm always speak on that, man. I don't, I don't look at that like no political nothing. That's, that's just like a human, a human being being human. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's take it to the other side, right? So, you know, people talk about 2015, 
as being that year, like 2015, 2016. It's a good year for rap. There's a lot going on and everything else. One of the joints I was I was absolutely hammering on the radio at that point was Ballerina. <clears throat> bro, that joint was crazy, bro. That joint, that bro, I played that every week. Like your pay your PRS statement, yo, if there's a spike in 2016, that was me. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm 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 saying like with with that joint, that was like one of the biggest club bangers at the time. That that really especially over here in the UK, that was one of the joints that really helped put you on. It was it was it's dope, man. And I I just want I just wanted to talk about this. I've never seen you since then. So that's what I'm saying. I just like, yo, I was on that joint, bro. Just letting you know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it was honestly it was one of those nights, man. Like I was really in one of those vibes. The studio damn near looked like a party that night. You know what I mean? So I just went in there and I, you know, that's what happens. Like I was like, yo, I can't make no somber shit right now. I gotta make some shit that turns these people up. You know what I mean? It's, it's there's a party going on in here. So as I made ballerina like that, you know, shout out to Ben Billions, uh, producing that. You know, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was it was definitely one of those nights. How how do you get that balance of of rapping and singing? Because it was like it was just dope. Yeah, just 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 how how do you do? Um, I think I think the balance for me, like I said, man, it come it comes like a mix of like my mood and then the production, like what the production is doing. So for that one, like. I had that line in my head for a while. I even had a song that I made like years before where I used that phrase. Hmm. She's not a stripper. She's a ballerina. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I think once I got that phrase in my head, I was like, oh, I could just come in like that on this one. You know what I mean? And then boom, it just really came out like that. Like I didn't have to like think of the melody. Like I freestyled uh, the melody and, and, and most of the words for the hook. And then I wrote the verses. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Bringing it back to 2021. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to my good friend, French Montana, and he's talking yes, about sir. his new music that he's got coming. And, yes, and he was like, you know, I was like, I was like, yo, French, what vibe are you looking for? Like, what are you doing? And he was like, he said, right now in rap, it's about being more lyrical. He's saying it's about, it's gone back to bars. It's gone back to being straight to the point in your lyricism and everything else. And he said he was very, very focused on that. I feel like, I feel like you kind of did that on the Better Believe joint hard thank you thank you man i always i mean even on even on those type of records i'm always say some shit you know what i mean i never want to be saying nothing that's that's for sure like I'm, i always want to be saying some shit so uh even might not i feel like with me and abel that might not I, I did the same shit you know what i mean i tried to put some real bars on the song and uh I'm, I'm always do that no matter what the even my trap records bro they be barred up it's just i say it in a way where a lot of people <laughs> They'll be paying attention to the bars. They're like, oh, this flow is smooth. But, you know, if you really like peel off that layer and listen to the words, you'll be like, oh, shit, there's some bars in there. I always try to keep my shit barred up, man. That's like the fun part of this for me, you know? Right. Right, right. What's, yeah. what's it like working with Abel? Like, and for people that for some reason you don't know, that's the weekend. Like, because he, I've seen him come up through the mixtapes, like, the, you know, the House of Balloons joint to now yeah. he's like, Yo, he's in. He's he's getting into that territory that certain people have never been before. You know, he's 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 going there. But I Absolutely. I just what what you know you you you're part of the family. Like, what's that like working with him? 
man, the man's a genius. He's he's like I don't even know how to describe it. Like he like he's so sure of what he wants, and he's just he's just he's brilliant, man. He's a brilliant mind in the studio. He's meticulous. He takes his time. He's involved <clears throat> from the seed to the fruit when it comes to music. He's literally involved from the first drum sound to the last ad lib to the mix to the masters. He's got his hands in everything from the beginning to the end. He's somebody that's like a real inspiration and motivation when it comes to like, like I wish every artist could just get a glimpse into like one session with this guy because it would probably change a lot of lives in terms of the focus and attention that that you you're really supposed to pay when it comes to wanting to make you know music on that level. And of course, I, you know I'm just talking about his work ethic right now. His natural raw talent is unbelievable. You know, so just watching him come up with stuff off the top of his head is crazy. And then his pen is ridiculous, man. He's one of the best writers that I've ever been around. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, he's just he's all around. The guy, the guy's all around a genius, man. And, and he deserves his spot, like no question. He deserves that spot a thousand times over. You know, you are who you know. You know him. <laughs> what have you learned from just just what's the the biggest lesson you've learned from being in the studio with him or working with him or just being around him? I want to say like paying attention. I want to say paying attention and like the real, the real focus that it takes, the real like uh, calculated type of mind that you got to have when it comes to this. Like, you know, there's there's a level of obviously the vibe and the flow and the energy of and going with that and capturing that. But there's but uh, just just how calculated and how polished he makes everything, and you know his his attention to detail. I think is 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 the most thing that like amazes me you know what was it like doing this new album it was tough man it was tough it was really? a tough album to make. yeah it was a tough album to make man because um you know i like after the immigrant album um i had like just a lot of personal issues you know some family issues and stuff just a bunch of stuff pop up and just like uh kind of took my mind away completely from from music like it was like I just couldn't even think about making songs or what I'd even make, what type of project. I, I was just like lost. It was a blur to me, you know? And, you know, I had to go through a lot of things. I had to get through a lot of things, you know, in order to come back and start making music again. And I'll be honest, when I first came back and started making music, it wasn't it wasn't like riding a bike. You know what I mean? You could just jump back on and be like, oh, hold on. Oh, no, I got it. All right. Yeah, we good. No, nah, it was like I really had to get in there figure things out and and for me i had been in the studio for 20 years prior to that so i i was i was in a space where i felt like michael jordan when i walked in the studio you know i walk i felt like play any beat i come up with a song right now i'll record in five minutes i'll write the thing and it was like that it was like i was it was just like as easy as breathing to me was making these records and writing these songs and all that type of stuff and when i got to a point where i was like i would walk in the studio and be lost I just didn't know if I was even mentally ready to have to relearn everything. Really? I, yeah, I, I, I really, in my mind, I was just like, you know, I'm at an age where I don't, I don't know if I want to like, like learn how to fly again. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll just walk. Like, like that's how, that's how I started to feel. You know, and um, so the album, it's, 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 
amazing in terms of like the milestones you can hear now, right? You, you, you're going to hear all the different eras of me going through that on this album. So when I was still in my dark places, you're going to hear songs from that. You're going to hear songs from when I, that feel like breakthrough records and you're like, oh, he, he sounds more confident and more, you know, happy or whatever, you know what I mean? But you're, you're going to hear all the eras of me going through that on this album. I don't say this the wrong way. I find that really hard to believe. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying you're lying or anything like that, but that's that's fascinating to hear that. Like, I never thought but, I'd hear you say that, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the, the brain is powerful. It's powerful. And, like, the way you tune it and the way you use it, you know, is, like, it can either be, like, the most amazing thing that you do or it could be the downfall of you as a man or as a human in general. So, for me... Uh, learning how to just uh, compartmentalize all the all the madness that was happening in my head. And it's crazy, like when things happen, like when you have a certain belief system and something happens in your life that shakes that belief system, it's like a hard hurdle, right? It's a hard mountain to climb because it's like something you've believed your entire life. And then something came along and shook that belief. It's like, damn. Those were the things that made me like, um, like, like kind of like mentally have to take a break and have to like figure myself out, figure things out, come back, figure music out again, and then be able to put it all together, you know, and make albums and make projects and be able to work on the different projects that I wanted to do. So it took a minute, you know, it took at least about two years of straight hiatus and then coming back in, not doing my own stuff, you know, doing uh, songwriting or whatever. And then finally into wanting to make my own music again and, and being motivated to make my own music again. And that's what this album is. It's like literally me finding my footing, going through a really bad time and a really dark time and kind of like finding the light. And you can kind of hear that throughout all the songs uh, on the album, you know. Look, right? I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask, like, what was it that shook your belief system? If you don't want to say, cool, but I'm just... I'll go it's away. not, man, look, I'm, I'm an open book, you know what I mean? But there's just, um, <clears throat> there was just, like, uh, like legal things that, that came into play, you know what I mean? That I that, So I can't speak about okay. certain things, like, in, in detail. But, you know, it was, it was just the type of situation where I felt like... Um, as, as somebody that believed in like karma and, and, you know, you get what you put out. I was like, man, I never, I never did no negative shit to nobody. I never, you know, even, even if it was down to like, you know, if we had, if we, if we had the, you know, if we had the throw down, it was going to be one-on-one. I wasn't jumping nobody. I wasn't, you know what I mean? It was, it was always, like I said, I always tried to keep my ethics and my, and my morals in place, you know? So just just some wild shit. And it wasn't just one incident. I think one incident set it off and then a bunch of things happened after that. And, you know, that's really what it came down to, man. It just, it just came down to just my whole, what I believe my entire life, kind of just having to be reassessed, like adjusted a little bit. That was it. Are you back from that now? Are you still? Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel great, man. But like, at least now I understand that it's not like uh, it's not. It's, there's no there's no top and bottom to this. There's no left and right. There's no you know. There's this is like an everyday thing. You're never gonna just be at your happiest and then just stay there. Like 
it doesn't happen, you know? So I think understanding that now has been so important for me, you know, understanding that, oh yeah, some days I'm, I'm not going to feel the way I feel today. That's fine. That's cool. But make sure the good days far, far outnumber the bad ones. Right. And that's, that's, that's what I try to do, man. I try to like, I make sure that, you know, I stay in my own head about certain stuff. I don't let my mind wander. I don't let like the negativity in. I pay attention to like that uh, autopilot voice. You know, the, the autopilot thoughts, I pay attention to that now. I don't let my my brain uh, or my thoughts just, you know, be useless. Like all my thoughts are going to have some kind of meaning behind them. You know, if I catch myself belittling myself or whatever i stop that turn it around immediately like i'm you know those are like the exercises and the things that i do within myself i went to therapy for a year which you know i thought yeah which i thought i would never say or ever do and i went in there skeptical and i think that was the best part about it is because i went in there with like not an open mind at all and like by the second session i was like okay cool you got me you know like all right yeah you know what you're doing you know and and uh, yeah, I did about a year of therapy. And all that stuff was important. It just it just really taught me how to how to um, reassess and like and like adjust things the way I need to, and and how to like deal and cope with things, not to go around problems, to like go through them, you know. And it's made me a better person every day. Hey, look, I'm glad you got through, it, man. Thank you, thank you, man. I'm glad too, man. I'm glad because like. Now that I'm back to doing this, I'm like, man, there's nothing else in the world I'd have rather been doing, you know? <laughs> Are you ever shocked that you actually went through that? Do you ever, because you know, like, now you've, you've been through it and you've got a different approach and you've got a different mindset. Does it, does it ever make you think, like, you know, the cause of it? Does it ever make you, like, I don't know, like, it's, it's crazy, I mean, like... It, do, it does surprise me as, as me if you want to go back to me like five years ago right? and I used to go through shit all the time. I speak about it in my music. You can hear it through, throughout all my music. You know, I was always open about all the shit I went through. And then I think the surprise would have been to that guy, not, not right. to 2018 belly. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think 2014 belly would have been like, what? You crazy, man. Like you got this, bro. You good. But I think, 2018 belly was just dealing with a little too much and like i needed you know i just needed to find my footing and figure things out you know if you're looking for a smoking gun i can absolutely guarantee you you will not find it in october 2001 a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the u.s mail system what started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. 
not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. You know, a few years ago, you, you couldn't even say publicly that you'd be doing therapy. Like, but things have changed. And, you know, we can talk about it openly on a hip-hop podcast and, you know, it's, it's, it's not, there's no taboo about it. There's no, you know. But mm-hmm. would would you recommend it to anybody who feels like they need it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's for sure. It's liberating. It's liberating, man. Because, like, we, we uh, we like package our conversations depending on who we're talking to and we've been like trained to do that right you know you talk to oh hey respect your elders you got to package that conversation differently and then hey you know moms can't find out about these things so you got to package that conversation differently it's amazing when you could just sit down and not have to do that you don't got to put walls around a conversation you could just sit down and speak because this person doesn't know you from a hole in the ground right so you could just talk you've never to a lot of us we've never had that experience right even the people that we can open up to and vent to it's like we still got to package that conversation in a certain way you know when you sit down with somebody that that doesn't know you that you don't know and that doesn't fit into your uh into your like you know friend circles or into your family or social circles then it's a different type of conversation. It's liberating. It feels amazing. It's like weight off the shoulders, you know. It's fascinating to hear you say that. It really is. Thank so, you, man. So, so. Yeah, that's real. That's it's real. You know, take it from me. Take it from in there and I was thinking like I'm about to I'm about to battle this lady. I'm about to have a rap battle with this lady right now. And I went in there. <laughs> and she really like just in the first few sessions, you know, she convinced me that nah, this is real, man. And it really helped me out a lot. So I would definitely recommend it to anybody that feels like they just gotta talk to somebody, go do it. Sure. Why did you call the album See You Next Wednesday? So John Landis, one of my um favorite directors from when I was a kid, um, he did a bunch of like, you know, bunch of classics that we love. He did uh, Michael Jackson, rest in peace. He did Michael Jackson thriller video. Yeah, amazing. And, uh, yeah, you know, as as uh, Michael Jackson's getting up, walking out of the theater, you hear somebody whisper, see you next Wednesday in the background, right? And when you watch John Landis movies, you always catch either a billboard or like a poster or something that'll be like for a fake movie. And it'll be like, see you next Wednesday, you know, like like an all-out orgy see you next wednesday <laughs> like crazy like billboards and posters and like just wild stuff but he would just put it in the background of his movies just like easter eggs you know what i mean right and i found that so fascinating so it was like it was like a way for me to pay homage to him first of all and then second of all for me i found out that that was uh a script he wrote 
See You Next Wednesday was actually a script in a movie he wrote that just never got made. So wow. when he did get famous and and you know become a powerful director, he just started to sneak it into all these big, huge Hollywood movies. And he would sneak it in the background. And for me, like I said, being somebody that didn't even know if this project was really going to come to fruition, you know, it just felt fitting to be like, yo, see you next Wednesday. You know, this 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 right here could be my see you next Wednesday, but I'm going to make sure that it comes out. You know what I mean? But this right here is my, this is, this is my project that almost didn't make it. This is my script that I wrote that almost didn't get made into a movie. So that's why I called it that. That's crazy. That's crazy. And and for people who may not know, um, John Landis, genius director, like you were saying with Michael Jackson with the Thriller video, that's the first time any artist had ever done anything like that, where it was like a music video, but it was like a mini film. And yeah. I'm not ashamed to say that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> me too, man. I think it got nightmares. all of us. <laughs> like it's it's when he when Michael Jackson turns around in his eyes, you see he's a zombie. That yeah, scared the yeah, shit yeah, out of me, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, I, I think we all had the same moment, man. I think all of us had that same moment. <laughs> and he also did the film American Werewolf in London. Crazy film. Again, that made me paranoid about going to a tube station in London. Like it's it's a crazy film. Like the the stick to the road shit and. Like, it it was, again, I had to sleep with the light on for six weeks after that. That that scared the <laughs> shit out of me, man. Like, same thing. Nah, but. he was revolutionary, man. He was definitely, re the early 90s, he had that on lock. He had yeah. that on lock. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone, you know? Yeah. Yo, I love films. Like, I spend, I spend a lot of time, like, while I'm working, like, I watch films again that I've seen, or... If it's a new film, I make sure I'm in the right setting to enjoy that properly, put the surround system on, let the bass pound and all of that, or go to the right cinema with the bigger screen. I sit in the front row by myself. I love that, man. I, I don't I care. Love that, like, love yeah. that, man. I'm the same way, bro. I'm the same way. I remember when uh when Hereditary came out, I, I brought I brought one of my homies to the, like the the home theater. You know, I made some popcorn and all that. I put Hereditary on. And yeah, you know, I remember like 30 minutes into the movie, I had the room so spooky and all that. Yo, my boy just got up, put his shoes on. He was like, yo, I'm going home. I'm not doing <laughs> it. This movie too scary. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I'm not watching this alone, so I'm about to turn it off. But I feel you. I feel you. I'll be on that same type of stuff, bro. Yeah. yeah I, love, I, I love movies, man. I can't wait until, you know, cinema comes back and we can go back and, you know, be in the theater and all that, I think. You know, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Like, with when... When um, the last one of Star Wars films, and then I think it's The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I went to the cinema at 10.30 in the morning. Nobody was in there. I was front row by myself and shit. Perfect, man. Like, sounds weird, but... That's me, amazing. I didn't want to nobody. I didn't want no stupid comments. I didn't want... No, like, yeah, but didn't... I, no questions. I just, yeah. just want to watch the film. Yeah. And then I watched I it again with my people. I feel you, man. I, I be having to watch movies twice, man. I love my fiance. Shout out to Dina. But yo, man, she be asking questions during some movies, man. My dad watches a movie again. She falls asleep. I'm like, what? <laughs> so look, the album's on the way. Like, for you, 
I'm I'm not snitching. I'm not trying to reveal nothing. But I'm saying for you personally, what are you excited about people hearing that isn't already released? Um, well, man, I put the track list out a couple of days ago. So, you know, I'm really excited for people to hear Die For It with The Weeknd and Nas. I think that's like a, 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 first of all, it's an incredible record. Second of all, I got to do a song with my brother and bring on a bucket list artist that I've been dying to work with for a long time. Somebody that I've looked up to and learned from my whole life, you know, so uh, bridging that, bringing them together on a song was special for me. And then the song being dope, because, you know, it, it, it could have been any record. It ended up being one of the, you know, my favorite records that I've ever done and one of my favorite collaborations that I've ever got. So, you know, I'm really excited for people to hear that. Uh, Requiem with Nav is a beautiful record too. Um, and I think uh, Can You Feel It Yet, which is the outro of my album. I'm excited for people to hear that. It's dope. It's dope. I mean, yeah. the joint with the weekend and Nas, that's that's like that's like some dream come true shit. We started this talking about Notorious B.I.G. You know, with Juicy. You know, Nas Ilmatic came out around the same time, and it's like mm-hmm. he's. I'm so happy for Nas getting a Grammy for the hip hop album and just drop King's Disease two and everything. But he deserves it. Whoa, he deserves that's if if <laughs> if. If 2021 Belly was to talk to 1996, 97 Belly, it'd be like, one day you're going to do this joint with one of your homies and this legend right here. He'd be like, shut up, shut up. Wow. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, it depends. Depends what, what day you caught me because it could have been on one of, my, you know, one of my days where I was turned up and I'd have been like, you fucking right, I'm going to do that. Hell yeah. <laughs> Or you could have caught me on one of my nah, nah, one of my humble days, you know. Nah, nah. <laughs> I love the Wu Tang joint. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you. I co-produced that too. Oh, Again, really? yeah, my brother Danny Boy Styles, me and him co-produced that together. And shout out to the Animals, man. They co-produced probably like 80, 70 percent of the album, seventy five percent of the album. So, shout out to the Animals, man. So, stop. Well, listen, man, it's, it's, it's been great talking, great to finally connect. Um, sure. when, you're, when you're next in the UK, let's do this live in the studio, wherever or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. but it's just dope to finally talk to you, man, and, and, and chop it up. Likewise, so. likewise, man, likewise. The legendary, man. Trust me, I already know. I already know. You, <laughs> you hold weight over there, man. You hold weight. You've been a legend, dog. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'll be honored, man. Anytime I'm out there, I'll be honored to come link up and, you know, make it happen. Yeah. All right, man. Well, look, stay safe and good luck with the album release. Thank you so much, man. Love, brother. Always. All right. Cool, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, yeah, we got it. Yeah, that's that's perfect.